Oh, let's break it down. We got a live episode in the cage, both Jay Will and myself together at last in front of the microphone, ready to record episode number 43. That sounds, that feels wrong. I'm pretty sure that is, dude. That's very wrong. It's supposed to be 44. <laughs> I think that's going to be 44, which is going to be the, the recall of week number two. Jay, well, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well, man. It's been a fun day, celebrating little Benji's birthday. Had a little fun, had a little rain. That was an epic day of rain, watching that lady sit out there, right? Yeah, yes, we uh out at a local water park and a, a storm, a quick summer storm broke through. And they told everybody to get the heck out of there. We got back to retreated to our little shelter area. But uh, there was one one brave soul braved the storms in the middle of some pretty active lightning and really close thunder and, and borderline hail level rain. <laughs> she reserved her loungers for life. She was dedicated to that laundry, dude. <laughs> she didn't even care. No flinch. No nothing. Not at all. Well... Jay, well, we're recording this Sunday night. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be heading out on vacation for a couple of days. But we have had an absolute doozy of a week number two. Stage four has shown me that I know absolutely nothing. I'm just kidding. Uh, look, man, that's how I feel most days at this point. It's craziness. You can't predict what team's going to show up on any given night right now. Not at all. And so what we're going to title this episode is going to be called Olympus Has Fallen. And because we're recording so quickly after after everything is concluded, we don't have a ton of news to get into. But let's talk a little bit about this, about what we mean by Olympus has fallen. So Olympus being the ancient home of the the Grecian gods. And so that's where we put a lot of these, these upper tier teams on. But the Shanghai Dragons lost. The Los Angeles Valiant lost. The London Spitfire lost to the Florida Mayhem. The Vancouver Titans were beaten 4-0 to zero by the Washington Justice. And to close it all out, the nightcap was going to be the New York Excelsior also getting 4-0'd by the Chengdu Hunters. Jay, well, what the heck can you even make of all this? I don't even know what to think anymore. Uh, a lot of these teams are teams that we thought would be pretty good within Rollock, specifically Shanghai, London, New York. And we definitely thought the Valiant would step up their game another level after looking pretty impressive in Stage 3. And knowing that Rollock was coming, we knew they had some quality DPS players. But you're talking about the top two teams in the league both getting 4-0'd on the same day, back-to-back. Like, that's insanity right there. Then you tack on the fact that the bottom three teams in the league, Toronto, Florida, Washington, all found wins this week against quality opponents. I'm, I'm just in shock right now of what, what we've witnessed yeah, I really don't know what to make of it or how to how to bring any sense to the chaos here. Uh, Toronto beating the Shanghai Dragons is absolutely frustrating to me. You watch the Shanghai Dragons have an amazing stage three. They come into a roll lock where they arguably should be one of the best teams because they were doing it before everyone else does. And here they are not running DM in certain cases and really just not being able to find their way in a 2-2-2 roll lock. And then you look at the Vancouver Titans, and we're going to get into this, just smashing their face into the exact same wall over and over again against the Washington Justice. And then you've got the New York Excelsior. We've talked about why you're not playing Sabiobian Pine and losing another match. Uh, we're, we're having this discussion before as we were even getting into the episode. Is what reason 
have the New York Excelsior giving you to believe in their stage four performance. And we're actually struggling to find one right now. Really are. They've not looked overly impressive in any of their matches, even the one they won against Paris. And they've looked, you know, extremely vulnerable. It, it almost reminds me of how they looked in stage four last year, where you thought they were really, really good, which they were. Don't get us wrong. But they certainly showed signs of weakness in stage four last year, heading into the playoffs, and then eventually just getting upset by Philly. And I'm a little concerned for them right now. They've already locked up their number two seed at minimum because they've already won the Atlantic Division. So, what happens if they've taken their foot off the gas again and they can't get that that thing started to go again? Yeah, hopefully not another early exit to the playoffs. I'd like to see them go a little bit further. The grand finals, luckily in this case, is going to afford them the opportunity to recover from a potential mistake. Being that the uh, we're learning more and more about the grand finals as we look into it, and in this case, this season is going to be double elimination. If I'm I'm hearing you correctly, yep, that is correct. They're going to be double elimination, which is the the right move. I thought they should have gone double elim last year. I think it's going to be phenomenal because you could have a slip up one match, and then you're going to be able to fight your way back into it. And with only eight teams, I think that's a wonderful change this year. I'm looking forward to that extensively. So the New York Excelsior will have an opportunity to potentially slip, but they're going to have to fight their way back out of the loser bracket. Well, Jay will with all that covered, well, not really covered, but we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper here. And that means we're, we're going on into the match breakdown. So Tracer is going to take us in. Let's try that again. Kicking it all off on Thursday, August the 1st, is going to be an absolutely fun match to watch. It's the Guangzhou Charge taking on the London Spitfire. And we've called this as a prove-it match for the Guangzhou Charge. This was their opportunity to show that they are a Stage 4 contending team. They have played well up to date, but they've played, in my personal opinion, a, a less than strong schedule. Uh, beating some lower tier teams, in my opinion, in the in the first week. So this was going to be the opportunity for the Guangzhou Charge to to rise to the occasion against the London Spitfire, and this was the team that the Spitfire team that we we're calling the scary Spitfire, and by all accounts, really should be. I mean, essentially running a grand champion, grand finals championship roster with the occasional flexing here, as we see of Quatermain in uh, over Nuss at the uh, support position. And ultimately, this was going to be the London Spitfire taking the match 3-1. to one. But, you know, I, I, I am not going to dock Guangzhou Charge too much here. Again, I mean, scary London, but uh, Guangzhou Charge able to take one and then look competitive in the others. I don't feel like they were completely out of it or getting rickrolled in the other ones. No, they were well well within their their realm and comfort zone in this matchup against London. They looked very capable, very competitive against London, but London did a really good job of shutting Happy down this whole time. They made a, a very, very strong point to not let Happy start popping off on Widowmaker. They shut him down. They made him change onto other heroes, and they said, no, you're not going to just sit here and click heads the whole time and, and force us to play around you. You're going to have to play around us. We're coming to get you. And it worked. They, you know, They shut down the most important player, and Guangzhou was a little, a little, you know... You, something in the wind. I don't even know what to say anymore for what's in the wind at this point. But, you know, they were just out there like floating in the wind, didn't really know which way they wanted to go, trying to recover from their best player being focused so heavily. Yeah, absolutely. Keys to keys to beating in the Guangzhou charge is definitely make sure that you're not leaving Happy back there free and really unable to click heads. But that would move us on to the Florida Mayhem taking on the Washington Justice. 
And by all accounts, a matchup that we thought was kind of the bottom of the barrel for for the for stage four, and not going to be a whole boatload of fun, but ended up going to a three-two with the justice able to seal the deal on the match. If you have the opportunity to go watch, this is really fun. You're you're watching the rise of some really good hit scan, long distance hit scan players. This is the rise of Corey, and we're going to talk about that in the future. And this is also Saya player coming alive. Two great players from last year starting to be able to kind of find their rhythm in stage four. Two players that we know can play some phenomenal Widowmaker and can make a difference on that hero. And battling it out head to head. It was it was a fun matchup. Saya player is obviously Florida's best DPS player and certainly their best hit scan player. And Corey is proving to be more than capable of doing a lot for that roster. Uh, again, we're going to talk about it a little more, but he has just shown more and more that he can be the DPS that the Washington Justice need on their roster going into next season. So signs of hope, surely, for, for the Washington Justice and some signs of hope for Florida at this point when we talk about, you know, we already mentioned they beat London. Um, so there's certainly signs of hope for them going forward with their all-Korean roster and what they're able to put together right now. So things are moving in the right direction for two teams that have not had a very good season, too. Yeah, like we said for Florida, you can't keep recycling the entire roster. So you got to figure out if you have some talent on there, and not just you know get not count on getting into the off season and cleaning house again and yep. trying to find everybody new. So you're starting to learn. Okay, what do we actually have in the tank? So maybe we can just identify some needs that we really truly feel like you know we have to obtain maybe heading into season three. So good on Florida for showing some good improvement here. Washington Justice as well. Also, you know, like we said, both teams being eliminated but still fighting for for something absolutely absolutely, (laughs) and maybe that's what they needed maybe they needed that little bit of pressure we're not worried about the playoffs we're just worried about playing our best game and sometimes that's all it takes sometimes it just the pressure falls off and you just start playing more like yourself and that's a little bit of what i've seen from them they just look relaxed free of care and just go at it let's have some fun and that's more or less what they need to start doing even when the pressure is on at this point so that would take us into a frustrating matchup, which is going to be the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Toronto Defiant. Actually, a pretty funny Twitter post uh, from Gods <laughs> coming into this one yes, is, a, yes. is a player for the uh, Toronto Defiant who said, I will shave my head if we lose to the Shanghai Dragons, which the, the irony there, if you don't know Gods or you haven't seen Gods, is his head's pretty darn shaved at all times. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can, you know, you need to rub some oil up there every now and then to make sure that things stays lathered up. Yeah, he's got it spit shine. <laughs> he's got it spit shine for a lot of it. Um, really proud of the Toronto Defiant bringing out Long- Mangachu and Logic. It's actually one of the first time we'd seen that DPS composition from them. Uh, they brought back out Shark on tank uh, to accompany Gods out there. And ultimately, this was a roster that was going to be able to take down the Shanghai Dragons 2-1. to one. Again, we're seeing from the Shanghai Dragons uh, a lack of DM out there. Um, much more frequent appearances from Youngjin. I think they like the fact that he can flex over to Reaper a little bit more often. Has a little bit more flexibility than maybe DM is, is capable of or at least willing to or able to do. Um but it, it's not really working for them. Uh, you know, the, the strength of what they were doing with the Fire Mercy was that DM controlled one half of the angles and Ding controlled the other half of the angles. When you start to lose that, your Fire Mercy becomes vulnerable to the McCrees, uh, to other players, to Sombras that can kind of, you know, find the right angle, get in beneath you, hack one of you, bring you down, make it vulnerable. 
Um, and so I think that's what the Shanghai Dragons are missing by not bringing DM in and not having him be a strong Widowmaker on the field. Yeah, I'm worried about Shanghai now because they're just kind of reverting back to some old ways is the way I'll state that. But having Young Jin out there playing either a Reaper, even a McCree at that point, and certainly when he's out there on Doomfist, is not conducive to Ding's safety in the air. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to protect him anymore, nothing to force teams into one corridor, inside, anything like that. The The beauty of what they did when they had Young, uh, Ding and DM in, yes, you could run Young Jin, but Young Jin usually flexed over to some tank, mainly some Roadhog if necessary, was that, again, DM could force a team to say you're not allowed to peek out, and then Dean could just fire rockets into a closed corridor and slowly but surely build up his alt charge. And when you don't have that sort of crossfire protection for the Farah, it is very vulnerable. And when you're playing against a super capable McCree in Logics, that usually doesn't end well for you. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. Like He had a great game. He had a great match in this one. What is that, 27-4? and four On what map is that? Lijang Tower. On Lijang Tower, I mean, the guy played out of his mind basically the whole match, but he just he kept Ding in check, and Youngjin was no answer for him because he just couldn't get there. Uh, I was impressed by Sharik. He looks like he's improved mightily from when we were calling him out in Stage 3 when he joined. So kudos to him for, for improving, taking his time off seriously, and you know getting in, scrimming, doing whatever he had to do to make sure he was ready to play and match the level of talent that he was up against finally. Yeah, if you watch that match, I mean, I think you'll get a real good good look at Logic's just completely leveling up on the McCree, at least certainly for this match. I remember watching that. I think we actually have a post on our Twitter just like, dude, this dude's putting on a clinic right yep. now on how to take a fair out of the sky. Absolutely. But he was absolutely clicking heads. Well, speaking of clicking heads, we're going to move on into the nightcap. Miss Soul Dynasty were able to click the Los Angeles Valiant's head and take them down 3-2 to two in a match that I'm not sure a lot of people felt was coming. We know that Seoul was a talented roster. We've talked a little bit at, uh, about we're not sure what's going on kind of behind the scenes with some of their recent departures. But this was a Seoul Dynasty team that had been down in the dumps a little bit in stage four so far, taking on a Los Angeles Valiant that was making the final surge for their playoff lives, for their seasonal playoff lives. So we kind of felt like, you know, hey, I mean, this is kind of everything on the line for the Valiant, the, the Seoul or... I don't want to say comfortable in their position in the playoffs so far, but they certainly have a pretty good lead. But um, this was going to be the Seoul Dynasty taking it 3-2 to two and you know knocking down the Los Angeles Valiant and really putting the Valiant in a terrible position heading into a really strong homestand weekend that they've got coming up and a pretty strengthy schedule on the way out of Stage 4. Yeah, so they still have to see San Francisco. I know that. I can't remember if they still play the Glads one more time, but I mean their homestand schedule is not going to be easy and... They've got another tough one coming up. I just can't remember what it is. Uh, either way, the Valiant actually had multiple opportunities to win this match, and they kind of blew it, basically. I will give sole credit. I mean, they took advantage of it, and they played much better than they did uh, last week. So they at least got, got their footing back underneath them so they can sort of set, sort of you know balance themselves out and keep their distance from those teams that are outside of the top 12 right now. Uh, Seoul still has a chance to bump up into the top six, but with some other teams around them playing a little better, it's going to be tough for Seoul to get back into the top six on their own. So we'll see what happens, but uh, it'll certainly be an interesting close for the, the Valiant in that homestand. Losing this match and losing any for them is going to hurt because they had that 0-7 in stage one, so they they really got their backs up against the wall. 
Yeah, and coming up, they have uh, at least one match that we feel is pretty winnable. One match that we would have thought was winnable, maybe right. be- maybe before this week. <laughs> um, and we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, looking at that homestand, they'll be taking on the Gladiators and the Shock on the way out of Stage Four, and that's going to be basic, probably for their seasonal playoff lives. Yeah, um, most likely if they're not already eliminated. And that specifically, point. that first one against the Gladiators. Yeah. All right, well, that closed out Thursday the 1st, which means we're on into Friday the 2nd, and that's going to kick off with the New York Excelsior taking on a Paris Eternal team that is absolutely free-falling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> free-falling is a little strong. They won their first one out of the gate, but they haven't seemed to have been able to find that magic ever since. Um, certainly soon, Shadowburn, a really great DPS composition there, and you have Cruz uh, in, it, in their support core, so I guess at this point, I'm kind of looking in their tanking core and going, what are you bringing to me? And they have shown that throughout the season. Um, not showing a lot of trust in Ben Best after he had a decent stage one, ripping him out and putting in LH Cloudy. And then in stage three, kind of running Ben Best or LH Cloudy um, back and forth. So just not, seems like not a whole lot of faith in their tanking core uh, in the team itself. And it's kind of showing in the play right now. You have a good DPS, you have great, a good support core that should be able to keep you alive. So what are we seeing from the tanks? And it's just not, it's just not working. And it ultimately was not going to work in this match either. The New York Excelsior taking them down 3-1. to one. Yeah, not too much to take away from this for me. New York did what they were supposed to do. They kind of neutralized soon between a combination of Savioli, Libero, and Nene. Mostly Nene and Libero. Uh, I think Savioli only played on control point. But uh, they were just able to control the match more. Their tank play is much more cohesive and just simply better between Mono and Mecco. But granted, they've been playing together for quite a while now. So what what more can you really say about the two? But Paris, you know, you got to find some something to pair in behind soon in Shadowburn. Yeah, you've got you've got crews out there, but you've got, you really got to find some some tanks that are going to open up a little more space to allow soon and, and Shadowburn to to roam and find picks more frequently than what they are right now. Because right now it feels like they're more or less relying on soon to find a, a pick standing behind a shield rather than pick, finding a pick uh, on a really good angle that he found on a flank or anything like that. All right, Nat is going to lead into the first of a set of disappointing matches for yeah. you and I, my yeah. man. Yep. Opportunity so, was not taken. Opportunity not taken. It feels like the Outlaws are just kind of throwing it away at the end of the season here, even though it felt like they had a chance, and that's what we really felt like coming into this week. The Houston Outlaws showed us some good life in Stage 1. Or, Stage, stage four, one. week one. <laughs> they showed us not much life in stage not, one. <laughs> not up and down stage one, but stage four, week one was also up and down with a win and a loss, but a lot of good things. It felt like it felt like to us, look, you found a roster where that was working. Obviously, you left Dante in, um, and that was really working. You didn't try this whole Linkser experiment too much more in your second matchup. And this was a matchup coming into a Philly team that did not look strong in Stage 4 so far. And so we felt like, hey, here's the chance. You know, Houston beat somebody who's what we consider to be a really competitive team. Um, Show that you have your roster locked in and that you're good to go. Uh, Ultimately, they have the roster locked in. It just wasn't enough to take down the Philadelphia Fusion. The Fusion taking this one 3-0. So you're going to hear me say this a little, a few more times as we go through the rest of these matches, but I will never understand not playing your top six lineup on some of their best heroes, or at least your top six lineup, top six lineup on the best composition that they play together. Uh, I'm really getting tired of seeing certain teams mirror when they're not good in those mirror matches, specifically Houston. 
they're running a lot of the the May Reaper something else sort of combos, and it's not in their best interest, in my opinion. And that's not a shot at any of their players. They're just they're not good at it. So why keep sticking with it? I would much rather see Dante stick on the Sombra and wreak havoc on somebody's backline and build the EMP pretty quickly, like he's capable of doing. But they didn't do that. They kept they kept running other things. They kept trying to switch DPS heroes. I mean, Dante played Genji for a little while, played Doomfist. I'm sure that was a last-second decision. No, that wasn't. I lied. On Ilios, he came out on Doomfist one time and actually popped off for a little while. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Jake's out there running Genji, Reaper, McCree, Hanzo, whatever. I mean, they're just floating through so many different things. They just don't have... They have no consistency with that. And on the other side, Philly found some consistency. Carpe does what Carpe does best, which is just be a monster and this all, to me, came down to Havana, right? So it was an overtime push for both teams. Houston had the better time bank, or they either both either that or they both had a minute. One of those two things. And not only is Philly going to get a better push out of their time bank push, they pushed from point one to point the end of point three in overtime the whole way. And this was classic Carpe. He put them on their back and he said, I got you. He was playing Widowmaker. He eventually switched over and played Bastion at the very end. Like, as soon as they cap point two, he went into spawn, switched over to Bastion, sat on the cart, and rode that puppy all the way to the end. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's just small things like that that set Carpe apart for me as an individual. You know, his team hasn't been playing overly great, but when he's just able to do something so quickly like that and just completely obliterate another team, what more can you ask from the guy? So maybe Philly find finds a little footing here in this matchup. Maybe they get back to... Some of the form we expected when the rollout came in, we'll have to wait and let it play out for a couple more weeks, but they certainly helped their playoff chances and got back to a better shape with that. Speaking of teams continuing to help their playoff chances, that's going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Chengdu Hunters. Los Angeles Gladiators, I believe, locking themselves in in this week, correct? I believe they've locked into a top 12 because they got to win 15 so I think that's the magic number right now for teams who want to make sure they guarantee a play-in. Yeah. Um, so I do believe they have locked in. They're in a good spot there. So they at least know they're in the play-in tournament. But they've also got a really good shot of locking up a top six bid in a, with a couple more wins going forward. But a team that has not locked themselves in and is still fighting for that spot, taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and that's going to be the Chengdu Hunters. And, you know... We've talked about this so far in stage four, the Chengdu Hunters just, again, not finding that consistency, not finding a roster they can put out there on these on a certain subset of heroes and say, this is what we're going to do. You know, in a way, I mean, what they had in stage one, even though it was the non-optimal lineup, but it was like, you know, here's you know Bacon Jack's on Widow, Amang's on Wrecking Ball, uh, Jinmu's on Farah, and it's just like we have this set up and it's good, and you know, we're just going to keep playing it until someone tells us to do otherwise. <laughs> right. And they were able to find some success. Again, because it was such a non-optimal lineup, they weren't able to take down some of the top teams, and that's fine. But here we are in like a in like a, a meta where I feel like man, this is like really shifted to what you guys are good at doing: lock in, lock in six players on six heroes, and do this thing. Um, something else to mention: I I feel like we've talked about it in the past podcast, but if we haven't already, it according to reports coming out of the Chengdu camp from their coach, so directly from the coach's mouth. Four or five of the Chengdu players are like, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I'm ready to retire after season two. Interestingly enough, citing a lot of reasons that I think are actually going to be rectified in season three. Like not being able to go home, not being able to see home. 
But, uh, you know, Chengdu, again, just really struggling to find a consistent setup where they can just come into a match and, and, and really try to be competitive. They ultimately were competitive against the Los Angeles Gladiators, but the Gladiators taking it 3-2. to two. Yeah, still, still the most inconsistent and unpredictable team for many different reasons and in many different, like, planes at this point. They're unpredictable with their compositions. They're unpredictable with their level of play. So you just don't know which Chengdu team you're getting from week to week, even though you've seen the talent out there, you've seen what they're fully capable of doing, and you're wondering when they're going to put all the pieces together. Luckily, they're they're still in the top 12. They're still in a good spot to make that play in, which is going to be entertaining for me as a fan because that's one of the teams I would like to see in there because you never know what's going to happen with them ever. Right. For the Gladiators, you know, you got the win. Chengdu, probably a, a quality team within the 2-2-2 roll lock. So you're not upset with the three-two. Just keep your positioning. Try to make sure you finish in the top six. You still have some of the better DPS players in Surefour, Shax, KSF. You know I mean, not KSF. Uh, Hydration, excuse me. KSF, Valiant, the other LA team. Look at me. Go. Not, not Shax either. Oh, dude, I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> it's all Valiant on the Whoa, Gladiator. Pause. Timeout. Let's run that back. <laughs> Surefour. Sure Hydration. Hydration. Who is the other DPS? Decay. 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 I was like, I knew it was a newbie to league this year. My goodness. <laughs> You know, okay, so you still have three of the best TBS players, <laughs> Decay, Surefour, Hydration. I'll leave that comment there now. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's finish out Friday the second with what we called to be a really fun matchup, and ultimately it actually wasn't at all in my perspective, and that's going to be the Guangzhou Charge taking down the Hangzhou Spark 3-0. to zero. Hangzhou Spark kind of looking like they rolled over and just really were not going to be super competitive in this one. I didn't like what I was seeing from them at all. Uh, we talked about this. I, I do think missing Crystal, running out of Dora and Godsby on, on DPS, there's no one. I don't know if Crystal was going to be the one that you feared. Uh, I haven't seen him play a whole ton of DPS, but from the casters and a couple others, we've seen like that was gonna that was the person they were gonna operate on DPS that you were gonna kind of be like, whoa, maybe we need to account for this guy. Adora and Godsby really not showing that at all. Obviously for Guangzhou, uh, subbing in Eileen for some of the less friendly Widowmaker maps, but once you get happy in there, I mean, absolute domination from the Guangzhou charge. Really fun at the end, uh, if you have the opportunity, there's a really great play from Eileen on Sombra, on Lijiang Tower. Hangzhou's coming in with their ultimates. They're about to try and retake this point to try and continue to play on Lijiang, I believe. Um, and Guangzhou looking to close it out. Guangzhou has control of the point. And uh, coming, onto the, coming onto the field, IDK has sound barrier, and he's about to pop, and he pops it. And Eileen hacks him mid-animation on the sound barrier, strips the sound barrier away from him, and uh, the Guangzhou Charger able ultimately to hold the point. Probably not something they would have been able to do had everyone else had you know right. plus five hundred shields right. hanging around. Um, so yeah. So anyways, a lot of fun plays here. But yeah, I, I just you know watching this matched up never really felt like Hangzhou Spark had a chance or were really in it. Felt like Guangzhou was was able to just kind of own this match handily. Yeah, they controlled this one from start to finish, no doubt about that. Uh, I'm really worried about Hangzhou. Yes, they're still in the top six. I'm not sure they're going to stay there. Uh, I don't know that they'll fall out of the top 12, but a team headed in the wrong direction. And it, unfortunately, a team that we thought was going to be good within the rollout because of the flexibility that they had within their, their roster with some deeper hero pools, um, I it's got to be the missing crystal piece. Like we don't know exactly what their plans were for that, but 
if you're asking me what's the one thing that's missing and what you know what's different from stage three to stage four without including roll lock it's crystal so like where is he what's going on how how is that truly affecting them at the same rate though guangzhou has just it risen their game to another level by far uh with this roll lock and letting happy play widow basically as much as he wants yeah it's just he's a huge difference maker on the on the hero and it's somebody that has to be accounted for at all times yeah uh, Guangzhou, and I do kind of want to mention this. I want to throw a little, throw a little love to Nero. So Nero was a player who wasn't actually eligible to play until I believe stage three. Um, just kind of came in at a bad time for the Guangzhou charge, but really starting to come into his own. I mean, you're looking at these stat lines here: twenty nine and eight on Lijiang Tower, twelve and one on Volskaya Industries, thirty two and nine on Blizzard World. Mm. So definitely some really great stat lines from him, and probably giving giving guys like Happy and Eileen some room to operate as well because it's the second DPS that you have to be afraid of. Absolutely. Taking us into Saturday the third, we're going to kick it off with the Atlanta rain raining all over the Paris parade. <laughs> Uh, not, you know, kind of no contest from the Paris Eternal here. Atlanta, a team that has run into the, uh, and I think we both felt like this, you know, the Atlanta Rain were going to benefit from a 2-2-2 yeah. roll lock. Not a team that ever looked like they were going to be a top tier team in, in Goats meta or 3-3. Um, but had the players certainly with the bringing in, well, I mean, obviously they kind of had to bring in a star DPS player, baby, baby coming in to fill the France shoes after his departure. And fill those shoes he has. Uh, he was absolutely killing it in this matchup. Uh, he was squarely able to handle soon in Shadowburn. And they actually have um, another player. Another player that was really popping off for Atlanta was Erster. Yes. So, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wrong. I mean, yeah, no, no. It's it's worth it because, uh, you know, Erster, if you get a chance on Anubis, go watch Atlanta's attack on Anubis. Erster actually... I th- they, I think he, they claim that he got the ace. I think he actually killed Widowmaker twice. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that counts as an ace because he got the Widowmaker. She got resed. He Give got the Widowmaker him. again. So, so I don't know if it's an ace because you didn't kill every member on the team. He got one twice. But anyways, Erster absolutely popped off on Anubis and realistically the rest of this matchup. And so I almost made it so like Baby Bay was just like, I'm here too. Yeah, don't forget <laughs> so about me. Guys. Don't forget about me. But um, absolutely fun matchup to watch. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but Atlanta took down the Paris Eternal 4-0. Yeah, Atlanta's looking stronger and stronger. Figured they would be better within Rolllock. Wasn't sure how good they would be, but the combination of Baby Bay and Erster is, is enough for them right now. More than enough. Uh, Erster on Genji is scary, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, he basically <laughs> solo cap point one of Anubis. Yeah. Like, the announcers were even saying, all right, well, it's just Erster left. And they kept going... Well, Erster's enough because <laughs> there's one, there's two. Guys, Erster's still on the... Okay, never mind. Atlanta's going to cap now. Like, it's almost like Paris forgot that he was around, but he just kept getting dash resets because he kept getting kills, and it was just... It was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Uh, kudos to him. I mean, he played uh, some some more Genji later on a, in this match and later on Sunday, and he's just... He's nasty on, on Genji, to say the least, and he certainly gives more space to Baby Bay to... To do a few more things, especially if he's playing Widow and Mercury, he's got a little more space to operate with and not be pressured as much. Yeah. And that's what you need when you're playing long range heroes like that. They have to have time and space to do, you know, to find picks essentially. And if you're not giving it to them, then they might as well not play them, which is what a lot of teams end up not being able to do. They have to switch off them just because they can't, there's no reason to stick with it because you can't stand there and fire. Right. So the pair, the duo is working really well together and I'm actually really excited for their future. Uh, I think they're currently in the top 12 and I think they're going to stay there. 
yeah, to give you maybe some more stats on how good Erster was doing in in the first minutes of of Anubis, he was charging a Dragon Blade every forty six seconds. There you go, which yeah. is pretty insane. Uh, he ended up going eleven and one. He caught he got calmed down a little bit when they swapped crews over to Baptiste, and the Nano Blades weren't quite as effective with the immortality field hanging around. But he ended up eleven and one on Anubis in an Sick. attack that. Basically, took point one and rolled straight into point two. I think yep. they only got reset once on point two. So. Yeah. That, Jay Will, is going to take us... Massive upside, dude. That's all you can say. Into WTF match of the week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wish it was, but that it was, wasn't. WTF won <laughs> of the WTF week. WTF won of the week. And that's going to be the Florida Mayhem. That's right, Jay Will. I said... Two win, Florida Mayhem, the people. Florida two win. Mayhem. Taking down your season one grand champion, stage four, scary London roster, three to zero. Look, that doesn't even that doesn't even tell the story, honestly, because Florida was in control of this from start to finish. You knew this after map one. You were like, something's not right. Something's really not right. Something's not going well. <laughs> something's not making any sense. Why is London losing? <laughs> Why can't they push a point? What even is the world? <laughs> right. And, and again, this is the quality of your DPS for, for Florida, which we knew they had. Because Sia Player and BQB have basically been the mainstays. Yeah. For the most part for Florida. Mm-hmm. And they just, they ran circles around Prophet, Burring, and the rest of the, the London Spitfire roster. It's not like London did anything different than they had been doing before. They just got outplayed. It's plain and simple. They got destroyed by Sia player BQB and you know the the supports Hagapin, Chris, the tanks, Fate, Gargoyle, they just did what they were asked to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be special, you just have to do your job and let us do ours. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, London just got flat out outplayed. Yeah. And this is uh Florida kind of bringing in at this point and bringing in and testing some of those players they pulled off the I can't remember the team from Contenders but they pulled up Gargoyle I was uh, Academy honestly Gar- no I think somebody else yeah uh, but it was Gargoyle DPI Byram some of those guys they pulled off of a roster down there in Contenders but um so let's talk a little bit about Saya player uh Li Zhang Tower playing Reaper and Tracer going thirty two and three. Switching over to the Hanzo Widow and Volskaya Industries going 13 and 2. Uh, and then uh, finishing out Junkertown with a casual 28 and 5 on Widowmaker. <laughs> so, it's not bad. Not yeah. Bad. Um, you know, in a team where, I mean, Bird Ring is not a slouch at Widowmaker, but you could get everything, yeah, anything he, going. He got so, I mean, Saya Player uh, absolutely kind of took the field and didn't give it back. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a Florida team that was was willing to um, again make some changes, bring in some players that they hadn't played yet, potentially try and get a chance to see what they had. I mean, actually, you know, interestingly enough, just looking at the stat lines from like Li Jang Tower, I mean, it's an absolute destruction. I mean, right, and London does struggle with control point. That's been very evident. It's been something that's been talked about regularly. Yeah, but this was one of those we lost control point, but we got. We got handled on control point. Yeah. So I mean, I even remember saying in trap, I was like, London or in chat, London doesn't like control point. Now it still looked different than it had, but as soon as Volskaya started and you saw what was going on, you were like, no, this is not good, not good at all. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy. So get a chance, you know, get a chance. You should absolutely want. I mean, most people will be watching that match anyways because it's such a shocker yeah, to absolutely. see them go down like that. But that would take us into the Dallas Fuel taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. 
not a huge sh- surprise here. Although I guess you know, in a week of full of surprises, maybe for something to go consistent was was <laughs> kind of a surprise, right? <laughs> or to go according to plan, according to our plan at least. Uh, and that's going to be the Los Angeles Valiant taking down the Dallas Fuel three to one. So Dallas actually got control point on this. So you, you felt you felt like they maybe were going to take a step in the right direction, and then it was just it was all LA Valiant after that. Uh, you know, you have Taimu, you have AKM, you have Zachary. And I don't think it's them, honestly. I, I think they're doing enough to, to warrant their places on the roster. It's some combination of the supports and tanks, again, not quite being up to snuff. And you're not really sure what kind of the missing ingredient is. Do they need to kind of come up with a different composition to run out there? Do they need to have somebody who can actually play Roadhog consistently? You know, no, it's a phenomenal diva player, but how much Hog have you really seen him play? Is it, is it something you really can rely on consistently, or is he going to play Diva most of the time? And with the two 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 being what it is, you know, that halt hook is a big part of it because you've got to find a way to find picks. And if you don't have the hook, you know, it's kind of like, why bother with the halt sometimes? Because what you're doing at that point is you're praying that, like, Taimu comes out on a McCree or a Widowmaker, and you're, you're halting somebody out of a shield, and then he can find a headshot, and I think you're, you're just asking too much of him at that point. So... The Valiant should have won this match, so it went as, like you said, according to plan. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, Dallas has got a lot of lot of soul searching to do because they they were squarely in the playoff mix and they're rapidly like taking themselves out of it. I mean, they they still have a chance. I just I don't see it for them. Yeah, mathematical chance, but I'm not feeling the the gameplay chance. Nah, <laughs> watching them, I don't I don't go. Yeah, they 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 still have it. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so not mathematically eliminated yet. But let's talk about two teams who are mathematically locked and loaded up into the top, and that's going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the San Francisco Shock. This one's an absolute banger. It's total back and forth. It's Gladiators coming out swinging on control points, San Francisco coming back, uh, and then it's back and forth ever, you know, all the way out to the end, where it's a really, really epic final control point map. I'm trying to look it up here and see what we got, but. I wanted to talk about there's basically uh, on the on the the fifth map the control point map the Los Angeles Gladiators have ninety nine percent on the second uh, round of the control point they took uh, the San Francisco Shock took the first round and so this is the Gladiators at ninety nine percent to stay in it on Li Zhang Tower and then uh, the San Francisco Shock managed to flip it at 99 to zero so they're starting at zero and they've got to go the full distance basically without losing another fight right and let me tell you jay will they actually didn't lose another fight and they actually ended up they (laughs) ended up taking it all the way out it's an epic li zhang tower map number five you should absolutely get the chance to go watch the vod please do um it was amazing it was so fun to watch i mean two just high quality teams talented teams absolutely duking it out for a victory that realistically the San Francisco shock, I think probably benefit from because they still have a chance to get into the top seed against the Vancouver Titans. Uh, I don't think the gladiators have that. I think they're going to be pretty squarely in that, in the top, you know, locked eight. So I'm not sure. I mean, they're maybe playing for the seeds around in there, but the San Francisco shock still have a chance to take the Pacific division and ultimately uh, seed one in the, in the seasonal playoffs. Yeah, so their map differential is better than New York. I think they're one or two games behind New York right now. I think they're actually one with New York losing uh, on Sunday. But San Francisco can still get catch up to, to Vancouver. They can surpass New York. 
And the Titans schedule coming down the stretch is no slouch. They do have to play New York. They've got that home stand. I forget who their other matchup is there, but I mean they're gonna be they're gonna have to really work to make sure they secure this. They need to win, I think, only one or two more. Let's see. Twenty three. Yeah, so if they get to twenty three and five, then they'll finish with the same they can finish at worst with the same record as the shock. So they need two more wins to lock up that top overall seed, or at least win the Pacific Division. Um and then maybe they got to play San Francisco one more time. So if you're within a game or two coming into that freaking close, like this is no joke of a schedule, right? Like yeah, we we actually talked we actually talked about this all the way back at when we were doing like schedule previews, right. looking at Vancouver's uh, stage four, knowing that it was going to be absolutely ballistic. So that their 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 weeks on the week, uh, sorry, their schedule on the way out of stage four is going to be. Uh, the Spitfire and the Fusion, and then they're going to have a little bit of a break because they got to take on the San Francisco Shock and the New York Excelsior on the way out. And both of those matches are going to have extreme seasonal playoff implications, I think. Right, and if they drop, you know, if they drop three, like if they happen to drop both of this week, then that homestand game with San Francisco might as well be straight up for the division. Yeah. Because uh, it's not like San Francisco's down massively in map differentials. They're down five maps. That's nothing, especially with Vancouver's, you know, four zero on Sunday, right? Which nobody saw coming. But I mean, they they've got their work cut out for them. Um, anyway, back to San Francisco, which is where we started on this. You know, <laughs> the quality of their roster again, I can't say enough about it. I mean, you have probably probably the league MVP for this year not playing quite frequently right now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like right. he is not really in the lineup because he made his name on. Zarya this season, yeah, and they've got Rascal, they've got Architect, and they've got Striker. You haven't seen much of Striker, but they just have so much DPS to work with that it's tough to find Sinatra time to come in and actually play. Right, and you know, and you're also talking another guy who's in the MVP conversation. It's like, what the heck are we doing here? He's not even in the in the match that often either. In Super, they're running Smurf because Smurf is a better Orisa. Yeah, you know, and that's right. just the way the meta has shifted. So there we go. Yeah, <laughs> just an obscenely talented team, but I do give it to the Gladiators for being competitive and actually having the chance to win all the way out to map number five. And that's going to take us on into the match of the week. Sunday the fourth is going to be kicking off with the Atlanta Rain taking on the Houston Outlaws. This one for me, kind of the chance for Houston to play in, uh, to to show that yeah, I mean we're going to be a little up down, but we can still take down some of these top teams. They would ultimately not be able to do that against the Atlanta Rain. Uh, they're going to be taken down three to one. This one being even a little bit more frustrating from a perspective of they didn't lock in their top, even their top players in our opinion right now in stage four, still trying out this Linkser experiment, and it's not working. Uh, I appreciate what all of what Linkser was able to do in season number one, uh, but he is not able to do that right now in season two in stage four. He is not the counter widow that most people uh, assumed that he was. And, you know, once you bring him in, obviously people know that you're going to be operating a widow in some cases. And then he has very limited flexibility, uh, just getting absolutely dominated on Reaper in this match. It's, it's mind boggling to me. He's just not bringing much to the table right now. He, he was a phenomenal Widow player last year. I won't take that away from him. I don't know what's happened to him this year. Maybe it was the fact that he had to do some other things just to find him find his space on the roster, you know, in stages one through three. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to do it on Widow. And he's not when he's not on Widow, he's not really bringing anything else either. Like, I watched him on Blizzard World when they probably should have capped with the number of alts they had. 
they ended up getting full held too, but he came in with a very just, you know, playbook, like, I gave you guys what I'm doing, scripted <laughs> Death Blossom coming in. Yeah. And as soon as he hits the button, he just gets hooked out of it and he's dead. Yeah. And so I didn't understand it. I remember saying it in chat. I was like, all he had to do was pour it up to the high ground where he couldn't be seen, you know, because the... Uh, because Atlanta was all on the low ground, like somebody would have had to look up to see him, but you yeah. could have ported to an area where you weren't seen, and then you could have just casually gone over the edge and hit your death blossom, and nobody would have been able to, to react fast enough. Yeah. You'd have at least gotten a couple of dies out of it, you know? <laughs> and, and it's stuff like that that makes you just go, okay, he's just not very good at that. Yeah. He just doesn't understand how to necessarily get into better spaces and make that a thing and make that work for his team. And, but again, I'm going to go back to this. This is what's killing me with Houston is why is Dante having to do so many different things? Right. Like, run your best on their best. Again, just instead of always trying to mirror the other team, which is what they did against Atlanta. Atlanta was running Reaper May consistently. Yeah. Stop trying to mirror. Put your best in, whether that's Jake Dante, whether that's Links or Dante, whether that's Links or Jake. Now, if you're asking me right now, it's got to be Jake Dante. Yeah. You know, that's where I feel. That's where I am. They're, too, they're, yeah. That's their best combination in DPS. But run those two, but let them run the heroes that they're most comfortable on and dare the other team to match you instead of always trying to match the other team before you ever gave something else a chance. Yeah. You know, and it just, it's the whole thing, you know, you just beating your head in the wall, like trying to do the same thing over and over. It's not working. Find something different. And we're going to get ready to say that again in two matches here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the meta where you can find, find different things. Uh, although I did make the argument in my rollout is not such a good idea. Uh, article that there will always be an optimum composition so there will always be a a group of heroes that are either statistically or ultimate you know charge wise or ultimate synergy wise the most the most effective combination um but that was going to take us to a match that we probably don't have a ton of time to talk about because we really got to talk about the last two but it's going to be the philadelphia fusion taking down the toronto defiant three to two um, absolutely monumental for the Philadelphia Fusion to basically rocket themselves right back into the seasonal playoff composition, composition, <laughs> the seasonal playoff competition, not composition. Um, but also, you know, fr frankly, from my perspective, for a bottom of the barrel Toronto Defiant team to be competitive against the Philadelphia Fusion, to come out and continue the competitiveness that they showed against the Shanghai Dragons was really important. Uh, to show that they have players on that roster that they could roll with, and then they just need to fill in some additional pieces here and there. Yeah, we, we both have stated it multiple times. We really like the additions of Logix and Megachu. We yep. like them together. They just got to find some other pieces to put around that. For Philly, it was very important. I've said this over and over again. They just can't afford losses the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, they've got themselves in a really good spot right now. I think they're in seventh overall after this win. And at the end of the day, they still have a chance to jump up into that top six. If they can somehow get back to being the Philly that just finds ways to win, you know, they've got a really good chance of getting in there. And with the spark free-falling right now, I mean, that's a team that's ready to drop out. You're only a game back of London, a game back of the Gladiators. I don't foresee you overtaking either of those teams, but the, Sp or the Spark are definitely a team that you can kind of, like, set your sights on and say, all right, if they keep playing poorly, like, we've got we've to make sure we do our part and we've just got to overtake them. Uh, on a not just a map differential standpoint, but on a simple win loss standpoint, and jump into that top six so we can avoid this playing. Talking about avoiding things, <laughs> the Vancouver Titans were able to avoid a win <laughs> against against the Washington Justice. The Washington Justice taking down the Vancouver Titans four to zero, and that scoreline is completely one hundred percent accurate. 
the Vancouver Titans were not in this game. I don't know if it was a headspace issue. I don't know what it was, but they were consistently trying to run Haxel on the May. It was absolutely not working. Stratus was getting the 100% better of that battle, of the May battle, having Ultimus charged significantly before Haxel was. Haxel not able to avoid what we should call the the player of week two, yeah. Corey. Um, and that, let's talk about that a little bit. The Washington Justice player, Corey, stepping up on Hanzo. He's, there's certainly been a good Widowmaker, and we've talked about it before on Widowmaker, just not really having a team around him to to really benefit from the Widowmaker. But in this case, actually just completely 100% dominating the match. I don't think it mattered what the... I think the Washington Justice could have all rolled out there on like support heroes you probably could have honestly and just kept Corey alive he was a one man wrecking crew he was absolutely one man wrecking crew fell I believe we counted it out I think it was two or three short of the two short short of uh, the time who has the the eliminations record for a single match and that's at 36 actually map right or just yeah well was it overall or was it just on Hollywood I think it was just on on a map so it was just on Hollywood uh, 36 for Taimu, 34 ending for Corey. Honestly, only because they had to take one ticket. Yeah, if, he, if they had needed any more than one point or one third of a point, yeah, he probably would have broken that easily. Yeah, but basically they only needed to kill you know the Vancouver Titans one time. There's yeah. only six people out there. You had to get all six. Yeah, you know math wasn't working in your favor there. Sure. Um, felt like Corey was charging dragon strikes in some cases, sub one minute dragon strikes. Oh no, I timed one. It was like, definitely yeah. sub one minute. Um, so you know, shout, shout out to Corey, absolutely dominant. The the Titans had no answer for it. He was shredding their shields and then picking their backline in in you know minutes. Had dragon strikes, zoning dragon strikes frequently. Not too many actual you know multi death dragon strikes. He had one good, a really good one on Volskaya where he pinned a couple in, into that small room on the first point. But you know, golf clap to the Washington Jets. I mean, you know. They have nothing to play for. They are mathematically eliminated from the seasonal playoffs. There are no stage four playoffs for them to actually compete in, even if they do well in this stage. Which is sad, because they're sitting at 3-0 right now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel terrible for them. Right. Um... So I mean, just, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Corey just absolutely, be, you know, was playing out of his mind, and it and and the the Vancouver Titans had no answer for it. Yeah, easily the player of the match, easier, easily the player of the week. I mean, what what can be said about how he played today? Uh, for Vancouver, another case of some you guys like stop beating your head in the wall. This isn't working. What happened to Haxall's Genji, by the way? Like, why, why aren't yeah, we... We talked about that several times throughout the match. Like, right, like, why heck? isn't that a thing that you're doing? Like, not necessarily rely on it, but you have that. Take advantage of it. Go Nanoblade and just let him build his all because he builds it quickly on Genji, to be yeah. honest, and let him go crazy. He's great mechanically. He finds the right kills, and then you push a point without any fuss, no muss, you know, you just go. And I don't, I don't understand it. Like, they literally came out on May, Hanzo, May Reaper, whatever it was, and Haxel, no offense to Haxel, but he's not a good man. I was not, not, and, not and, in that match at and least. And he was, he was up against one of the better ones, honestly. And what Stratus is able to do with his right clicks, because that dude, I mean, he was just taking on everybody. Oh, Mendy Corey, like, well, yeah, for yeah. He sure. said, "Forget, I don't need to freeze anybody. I'm just gonna kill you with a headshot." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just you know, again, just a lot of lot of good things for the Washington Justice there. But that would take us into the final match of the week and that's gonna be the Chengdu Hunters taking on the New York Excelsior 
And this match was going to live up to the storyline of the rest of this week. And it's going to be the Chengdu Hunters taking down the New York Excelsior 4-0. to zero. Jay will Bacon Jack going free on Widowmaker. Jim Moo <laughs> going free in the skies Woo! on Farah. Um, New York Excelsior again not bringing in Pine. Just is mind boggling to me at this point. What's he gonna hurt you? Like that's what we keep saying. Like what's the what's the he, okay? Yes, you've already locked up the Atlantic Division, so you have a top two seed. So again, what really is it gonna hurt you? It's, I, I think it only benefits them because what they're doing is not working in 2-2-2 roll lock. And that is what the seasonal playoffs are going to be played in. Yeah. So you have to find something to be more competitive against the Chengdu. If you can't be competitive against the Chengdu Hunters, right. you're not going to walk in. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe you'll walk in against uh, Spitfire. No, you won't. I mean, Gladiators. No. Like, you're not going to be able to walk into Spitfire, Gladiators, some of the bottom seeds in that top eight. And count on the fact that you, that you're just going to be able to, to what put in somebody at, at that point and learn how to play it. No. That's how they've they've paid that price in the past right. of of slacking in stage four or not being competitive in stage four, trying to walk into the playoffs and choking. So I say it doesn't hurt them at all. Bring in Pine and figure out if that's what makes you competitive in this because right now the the Sabiobi Libero Nene DPS rotation experiment is not working for you. No, it's not enough. It's not doing enough for you. It's not creating enough kills, momentum, whatever you want to call it. They're not getting it done at the at the current rate that they need to be getting it done. Which again takes you back to some of like the mirror issues that we're having right now. Like last year, they would just play Tracer, they would play Widow, they play Hanzo, they play all the more fun heroes, you know. And now they're here. They are. They're sitting here trying to do Reaper May like everybody else, and we're like, "Come on, guys, what are you doing to yourselves? Like, stop." You know, yeah, Sabiol, we played some Somber, Sabiol, we played some Tracer, but it, it just, it's too little too late at that point. Yeah. You need to just go ahead and play to your strengths and see what works before you start trying to adjust to mirror the other team all the time. Yeah. Yes, again, we you've said it multiple times, there will be optimal compositions. Yeah. No matter what the meta is, there will always be an optimal composition that teams will likely run. I currently do not think there is one, though, yeah. that is to the level of what GOATS was where you had to run it to be competitive right. to match up against somebody. For sure. But everybody's acting like this May, Reaper, May, Hanzo, Orisa, Hog combination is what it's got to be. Yeah. And I don't get it. I just simply don't get it. And it's hurting these top-tier teams by continuously trying to do it. Sure. Play to your strengths. Force other teams to adjust to you, especially if you can get your strengths to work. It's the yeah. same across any sports. Here are our strengths. We're going to play to them. We're great at spreading the football field with four wide and chucking the ball everywhere. We dare you to cover us. Sure. You go to that. Even if another team knows it's coming, you go to that and you say, are you going to adjust for us or are we going to have to adjust to you? Because yeah. the first team that usually has to adjust usually is the one that loses. I It's just, it's just mind-boggling to me to watch a Farah tear apart the New York Excelsior. Like right. when you have a, a hit scan, you a distance hit scan like, player. Of, like no Farah player. Yeah. Like, you don't get to run Farah because I'm here. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, it, you know, all of season one, people knew what was coming from Pine. They had plenty of time to game plan, adjust for it, know that Widowmaker was coming. They just couldn't stop it. He's just a player that alters the field when he comes onto it. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, New York Excel's here. You're, you're killing us. You're blowing our mind right now. <laughs> Please, at least just try. You have nothing. You have literally nothing to lose at this point. You have locked up your division. You will be the two seed. I really don't think you have a chance to make up 14 games in map differential to try and take over whoever becomes the one seed out of the Pacific. So just try it. Try it. Please. Free, free peas. Pine. Free pine. Pity peas. 
All right, well, Jay, well, that ultimately means that we're going to have another less than stellar performance in the map picks, or at least less than stellar compared to us. I guess 50% is really not that bad. It's, it's actually it's not terrible. It's, it's actually probably about where you're supposed to be. Like Most 50%. likely it's where you should be, but we're, we're just used so to good. that 70 plus. Right. We were percent. doing so well for so long. Yeah. Like, this is like hurting us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hurt me on the inside a little bit, um, which brings us, I'm, I'm actually struggling pretty mightily in stage four here. I'm at 15 and 17. Uh, Jay will bringing it up a little bit, bringing up bringing the caliber of the podcast up a little bit with his seventeen fifteen. But we're both struggling. We went eight and eight this week, so if you're counting on us for some Vegas bets, you're losing a little bit more money than you used yes. to be. All right. Well, we hope that everyone enjoyed the content that we were able to bring to you today. Uh, it was a great week too. It was a lot of fun, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of upsets. Uh, I don't know. Is there such thing as a downset? I don't know. No. There's ups, downs. There's upsets, and then there's just <laughs> status quo. There's, there's upsets and consistency. Yeah. Um, well, if you did enjoy it, please, 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 please follow the podcast across Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. That's what I meant to say. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Interact with us. Uh, you know, Tweet at us. We'll tweet back. We're pretty good, at least, on certainly on tweeting back to people that, that hit us up. And that's, uh, you can find us at Break It Down OWL. Coming up next in the podcast, you will be able to listen to us ramble on about what we think is going to happen in stage four, week number three.